Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Tuesday, September 3rd. My name is Jake Luke, and I am joined by my co-host, Spencer Schultz. What's going on, bro? What's up, Jake? What's up, everybody? Labor Day is over. We had a full slate of college football this weekend. We got the NFL coming Thursday. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, we did uh, have ourselves a nice long weekend. I played a ton of golf, watched a little bit of college football, had a few brewskis. Uh, yeah, just had myself a good old time. Not excited to go back to work tomorrow, but uh, hey, short week, right? Short week. Let's go. Um, yeah, went to a little grad party. We went to the Redskins game last Thursday. We, we did. Give you guys an episode, but we're going to give you a nice big fat one today and Thursday to make up for it as we're rolling into the thick of things. Yeah, we did. We really should have just had ourselves mic'd up because that could have served as an episode in and of itself. Yeah, me hammered at the Redskins game. Yeah, you had a ride out of there, uh, so you got to imbibe a little bit more than I did, but I still had a good time nonetheless uh, down in the end zone. I got to watch my boy, Trace Unitas, in person for the first time in a game, and uh, spoiler alert, he did well enough to save himself a nice little roster spot, so that was fun. They like him, man. I like him, and I think it speaks volume that they gave him that spot. I mean, they cut Willie Henry and Kenneth Dixon and kept Trace McSorley. Yeah, I mean, that kind of says it all right there. Um, this is a you know squad that wants to compete this year, uh, at least for a playoff spot and maybe a division title, but uh, they think highly enough of him that they were willing to keep him around as the uh, third QB, which they don't always do. But I guess it also does make sense in the uh, sense of the fact that you have a backup quarterback who's currently injured, who's have a history of being injury prone, and a starting quarterback who is playing style maybe lends itself to injury risk. So maybe that's part of it. But also, uh, he definitely played his way onto there, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. He had, 
I think he had five touchdowns this preseason and like 550 yards. And he made some beautiful throws throughout all of camp, man. He really pulled it together because early in training camp when, you know, Vaz and Kyle were covering it in an official capacity and me in less of an official capacity, but um, he was really a check down Charlie and wasn't really airing the ball out a ton. And I know Vaz was particularly unimpressed with him. And then he just turned up all through preseason, especially uh, the last three weeks after, you know, a decent first outing. And I'm really impressed. He had great ball placement on back shoulder fades and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, you and Voss, I mean, you guys fancy yourselves as a little bit of, a, you know, scouting talents a little bit. Uh, you think you have this great eye for player, uh, you know, player traits and whatnot, and you can pick the good ones out. But uh, it looks like I beat you guys on this one. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, Vaz, absolutely. I, I've been team Trace Unitas. I just wasn't sure they were going to keep him. You've, you've been on that train. But Vaz, yeah, Vaz was not high on McSorley. And I believe the uh, term uh, lead arm was thrown around. So. Yeah. Yep, Vaz did call him a lead arm. Uh, you hate to see it. But, yep, he is on the roster. Uh, and I guess we just wanted to touch on that real quick because that is our boy and he has made it and we are very proud of him. But uh, in the meantime, before we get to some more roster cut down analysis, we did have a ton of questions coming on the mailbag after the long weekend. So we wanted to crack into that real quick. Yeah, let's get to the mailbag. Got a ton coming in today. A lot of questions with the regular season looming and cut downs just happening. Um, the first one is just a little bit more broad and it is how many blue chip players would professional media members and those around the NFL say that the Ravens have? Who do you got as a blue chip, Jake? I have three. Uh, Earl Thomas, Marshall Yonda, Justin Tucker. I like that. I'll add Marlon Humphrey. I would say that, but nobody knows who he is. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. I think he probably is to that point, but nobody in the national media would recognize him as that. You're probably right. They just don't know he exists. It's weird. It's crazy because all... Anyone, if you talk to anyone that watches the Ravens, covers the Ravens, is a fan of the Ravens, ask them who's going to play well this year, that immediately will be in your face. And then I'll also say that I think Mark Andrews is a blue-chip player. Um, I think that he is versatile, has very – I don't see any weakness in his game. He's really been a more solid blocker than scouts anticipated coming into the NFL. And he can get vertical. He's a safety net underneath. Um, I, I definitely think that he's a blue chip player as well. And I'll throw Michael Pierce in there. I think Michael Pierce is a blue chip defensive tackle. I think he's extremely valuable. He's not the greatest pass rusher. I th- think he's been working on that craft this offseason. So maybe we see some increased pressure numbers. Uh, but yeah, I think those are the, the blue chippers for the Ravens. Yeah, it sounds like you've got some guys in there that are based uh, more on potential that they could get to there at some point with blue chip. I look at guys that are just absolutely slam dunk no matter what, like, maybe even Hall of Fame type contending players, if not just the best in the league at their position for several years. So, yeah, some of those guys you threw out there, I think Andrews definitely has the potential to be maybe on that list somewhere next year. Um, Pierce maybe even as well. Um, But, yeah, those are some good names too for sure. Absolutely. Next one coming in, what are you guys' thoughts on the Willie Henry cut? What did you think when he got cut? Yeah, it was a weird one. I mean, it feels like they are getting rid of guys on the front seven, uh, a little bit left and right. They got rid of Shane Ray. I know he didn't really show anything, but um, yeah, Willie Henry was another guy who was what a fourth round pick a couple years ago who has flashed a potential a little bit here and there. Uh, they also got rid of Gerald Willis, uh, another defensive tackle. So it looks like they're kind of moving, you know, moving on from some of the bodies at that spot. And Henry was a guy who 
a lot of people looked at as having potential to make an impact on this team. So maybe it says less about him and more about where they're going as a team and as a franchise because they've emphasized so heavily on the secondary the last couple of years as opposed to the front seven, which was kind of Ozzie Newsom's wheelhouse. And maybe, you know, Henry is going to be on a roster this year, probably. So maybe this is just a sign of him saying, look, we're not going to overemphasize the defensive tackle on the front seven anymore. We're going to go a little bit more lighter and back into the secondary. So maybe it's just a reflection of that because they do have other guys at the position that are really capable of playing well. So that's a good perspective to look at it from. It's a little it was pretty surprising to me. If you would have told me before the final preseason game that he was going to be cut, I would have said, shut the hell up. Yeah. No, he's not. But then they trotted him out all game long. Same thing with Dixon. And I was like, okay, something, you know, something's going on here. It just is a weird move to me because they wanted Gerald McCoy. They brought Gerald McCoy in. They were willing to invest in a multi-year deal with him. And Willie Henry has a very similar play style, similar physique to McCoy. McCoy has been more prolific and is older, a little more experienced. And Henry's obviously never really gotten to put it all together. But I'm pretty surprised. I thought he was going to be a big part of their game plans. I'm not sure if there's something else going on with Henry and the coaching staff or maybe a suspension coming or something of the sort. Um, Because I find it's kind of, you know, a little out of left field. I did not see that one coming until they kind of trotted him out there all week. Yeah, could be any of those as well. Uh, It's tough to kind of speculate on that stuff. But yeah, my my sort of speculation on it with all the info that we have is they're just kind of emphasizing, you know, different play style this uh, this time around. Yeah, they had a lot less defensive linemen per play, um, typically right around two. So I think they're going to rely on McPhee, Jalen Ferguson, Bowser, those guys to kind of kick in a little bit and stunt and give some really exotic looks. So as you said, I guess they're going in a different direction. And then you've got the big meaty guys. You've got Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce that are huge, massive space eating, block eaters, double team commanders. Chris Wormley. I have I saw him at a bar in Fed Hill right after they drafted him. Actually, like all of the Ravens draft picks were at um, Wayward. In Not to brag. Fed, Fed Hill. Yeah, I drink. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is huge. That is a mount. That's literally the mountain from Game of Thrones. I'm not joking. I was like, oh, God. And he's not fat. He's athletic. But he is tall, thick, broad, gigantor dude. So if he can put it together, I think they'll really be relying on uh, Chris Wormley in 2019 and 2020. I do think they also like Dalen Mack, who they drafted this year. So Yes, great point. Great point. I almost forgot about Dalen Mack. He started to really pull it together towards the end of the preseason, and he was one of the SEC's best uh, pressure-generating defensive linemen last year. He was a five-star recruit. He showed a little bit of range as a tackler in some of those last preseason games, kind of being able to move and hunt down a ball carrier, which um, Michael Pierce kind of has that same thing going, and yeah, so I guess maybe they do like Dalen Mack enough. They're like, all right, see, Willie. Yeah, there you go. I mean, he's cost-controlled, has some good potential, probably similar to how they saw Henry a couple years ago, and it just didn't fully materialize. But, uh, yeah, I guess it was just kind of time to move on. Right, and Henry was going to be a free agent next year anyway. So exactly. I guess right at all. Uh, next question is, will maybe blue-chip player Mark Andrews go off on Sunday? I think going off to me means – eight catches, 100 yards, and a score, or scoring multiple times. I don't know about that, but I find that Lamar Jackson early is going to find him early and often and look for him underneath and try and use his short passing game to Mark Andrews. That's what I've seen all summer. If 
the first read's not there. It's or if there's a soft spot, and Mark Andrew he he Mark Andrews kind of said you know Lamar and I are on the same page. They find soft spots together quick, and Lamar will feed him. I, I see him having maybe like five six catches, like 60, 70 yards. I'm not going to speculate on a touchdown, but I think like. A lot of catches, not a lot of yards. That would kind of be my range for him. I think it kind of does depend. I don't know how they're going to be using Micah Fitzpatrick this year, but that guy's a stud on the back end, probably one of their only uh, really high-end players uh, that they have on this roster because they are kind of tearing it down this season. But I think uh, if uh, Flores is running the defense there and he knows how to use Micah Fitzpatrick, I would maybe try to stick Andrews with somebody like him who's athletic and physical and uh, can maybe make an impact on him. I think the defense as a whole is going to have trouble stopping him completely, but uh, maybe neutralizing him with one of those types of guys would be the move because I think Andrews is going to be a big time key uh, this season just watching him in practice and uh, training camp yeah and it's hard to get a real grasp on what the Dolphins are going to do we're going to try and do that more on Thursday's episode but with Flores the Patriots ran a ton of press man and you're absolutely right Jake if I'm going man on the Ravens and I've got Micah Fitzpatrick I'm going to stick him on Mark Andrews it's a good call Um, moving along Surprise player that wound up making the 53. Uh, I don't, I'm not really surprised by any of them. I'm more surprised that Willie Henry's cut. I have said vehemently numerous times, I think Alaka and Makari both are deserving of spots and look like NFL caliber players. That to me is surprising in the sense that if you had told us even three weeks ago that those guys would make it, I probably wouldn't have believed you. That's true. If, but they, but they did play well and practice well. So at this point, it's not a surprise. Yes, as the preseason transgressed and we saw them in action after putting together solid performances throughout, I'm not shocked by really anybody. Uh, I thought Cyrus Jones was going to be on the bubble, but because of Tavon, makes a ton of sense to keep him around. Uh, so yeah, nothing really standing out to me a ton. I think this is a pretty decisive unit and they went in the conservative directions for the most part yeah they threw uh biggie marshall in the ir boomerang and they signed Brendan Treywick to uh be that one of the special teams aces there so that that was I, maybe enough. i like Treywick a lot i actually think he'll contribute on defense a touch i think he sees the field a little bit defensively okay um let's see do you think the ravens will make a big time trade or sign anyone big before week one do you think jake no, um, I think they see this. As, I've been saying this a little bit on Twitter, and I think on the show that they see it as maybe a little bit more of a long-term project. Where if things go well this year and they win nine, ten games, they'll and Lamar shows promise they'll probably say, "Yeah, maybe it's time to make a move." Well, you've got this guy on a cheap deal, but I think they're still kind of waiting in the wings for the process to unfold a little bit more. Um, so yeah, you know, you had Clowney out there. A lot of people were kind of bitching about the fact that they weren't trying to give up a third round pick and some bit players to go and get him just like Seattle did. But I just don't think that's where they are in the process right now. And they recognize that. So I don't see it happening just like I didn't really see it happening then. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's been pretty clear cut at this point, set in stone. The Costa is rolling with the guys on the roster and he trimmed a little bit of what he thought the fat was off with. Literally, the fat parts of the roster are the linemen with Henry gone. Um, That's just unnecessary. Alex, Alex Lewis. Calling out their weight. I mean, you know, come on. They're not, Willie Henry's not fat, but he's a big player. He's a large man. You uh, said, well, you did say trim the fat. Trim the fat of the big guys. I mean, of the big guys. This is just a body positive podcast, and I'm trying to promote that. But if you want to go ahead and tear all that I mean, good work down, you go right ahead. As a thick boy, I can call it how I see it. I've got fat privileges. All right, fine. Yeah. 
Exactly. So no, we're not doing anything. Thoughts on Melvin Gordon rumors? No. No, move along. Uh, anyone useful you see the Ravens picking up from cuts? Uh, Wisniewski from the Eagles wouldn't shock me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's a guy who's been around forever. He's played for a couple different teams, and he has played well recently for the Eagles. Getting a little bit older, I think he's had injury issues, so it also wouldn't shock me if they just decided to roll with some of the um, young, quote-unquote, talent there. I don't know how many guys are really kind of you know high-profile or who they expect to develop, but... Yeah, I could maybe see somebody like that. Um, there were a couple other names that people threw out. I can't necessarily think of Brandon any. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, right. The middle linebacker. He was a guy that they had interest in. They told him to wait for like the, uh, what is oh. it? Yeah, the post May 5th or the post June 1st, whatever date it is. And he yeah. decided to just go ahead and sign with Oakland. It didn't really work out for him. He got cut. So a lot of people were throwing him around. Maybe I don't necessarily see it if, you know, he kind of rebuffed them at the time. I don't know. I know he was interested um, back then, but maybe it's just kind of a situation where now they have some guys that they like there. Obviously, Owasso is the established starter, and maybe he is uh, what Bill Parcells might call a progress stopper, which is like a veteran who's not really making a big impact when you have young guys at that position who, unproven or not, they right. may have some promise. So, Right. If you would have told me in May... Brandon Marshall is going to get cut from the Raiders. I would anticipate the Ravens to sign them. I'm happier with the inside linebackers that they're trotting out, um, particularly with Kenny Young. I see a monster year out of Kenny Young. I haven't seen anything to tell me otherwise. He's playing fast. He's not lagging. He's I haven't seen him flat-footed, and he's been a, a wrecking ball. I mean, he's been he like against the Redskins, he suplexed somebody basically. Slammed him on the ground. Pat Ricard has a scoop and score. That was wild. He's been an enforcer. So I'm happy with inside linebackers. Just a funny side note there. I saw our boy uh, film study, Ken McCusick, ate the trash a little bit with the uh, – he was like, why would the Ravens sign Brandon Marshall? He was on the Saints last year and he got injured and he hasn't been a productive receiver in like three years. <laughs> and it was like – it's funny because it reminded me of like all the times like a couple years ago when like – that Brandon Marshall, the receiver, would be in the news, and like this Brandon Marshall, the linebacker, would get all these tweets at him and be like, "Hey guys, like I'm not that Brandon Marshall. I'm just another pro football player that happens to be named Brandon Marshall, who's on the Broncos too." But yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. Shout out to Ken; he does a great job. Ken is Ken is fantastic. But the number one thing that always makes me laugh, and it's kind of messed up, is the Baltimore local Jerry Sandusky. Oh, that's a tough one too. And he <laughs> talks about that like. I, yeah, I don't get the chance to listen to him much during the regular season, but he does talk about that in the preseason broadcast a lot. I remember like they were making fun. They weren't really making fun of a player's name, but a, some player had like an unfortunate name. And he's like, you know, with a name like Jerry Sandusky, I probably shouldn't be critical of somebody else's name. But and then he just kind of I just thought it was like a funny kind of thing. But yeah, he's rolled with it. I feel bad for him. But that one always cracks me up. Uh, it's very unfortunate. But moving along, um, how big of an impact we see out of my boy Jaleel Scott this season i don't necessarily see a huge one but he did look pretty good in the preseason i'll give him that um i just think they like what they have at starting receiver currently but yeah you know if one of those guys maybe gets hurt it's probably going to happen at some point then maybe he'll step in but i still do think they kind of see him as a developmental guy and uh you know who knows i probably didn't even think he was going to make the team heading into camp so it wouldn't shock me if he continued to improve and continue to make me eat my words and get some run this year I don't think they would have held on to him if they didn't plan on giving him some run in year two because Lasley was in that same boat of developmental players you mentioned and ties were cut. Um, I don't think DaCosta has time or room 
for guys that can't make an impact. Where Jaleel Scott, I think, will make a little bit more of an impact than predicted is on special teams. He looked really strong as a gunner and on kickoff coverage. Uh, I think he had three tackles, and I got a chance to see a couple of the drills getting as a gunner uh, just during, throughout training camp, and he always was able to break through the press um, relatively quickly and played really physical. So I think he'll contribute there. I see him having a couple sets and plays and formations here and there, but I don't see him catching more than like 15, 20 balls. Probably not going to end up catching 30 or 40 or anything, but so we'll see. Uh, it'll be a good piece to hold on to. I'm, I'm happy they kept him. Yeah, definitely. He had some really nice boundary plays. Um, what do you have? A couple touchdowns this preseason. So good for him. Yeah, he yeah. was a guy that I was not high on at all out of college. I didn't really see it. And he definitely he went about his business story the right way. He was patient hanging around on the uh, the phantom IR last year. And yeah, he's definitely shown improvements. So hopefully he can keep doing so and uh, make some impact this year. He's one of the rare receivers I've ever seen, especially that has that massive frame like he does that has added like significant explosive off the line of scrimmage early in their career. Um, I was really unimpressed with his get off last year. And night and day, I saw him putting in the work. You know, got, you guys know I'm a stalker of off-season workouts. Oh, yeah. We all know. And, yep. And he did put in the work, so I'm happy with him. You know um, what he we, needs to do is he needs to change his number to something in the 80s because I feel like big-bodied receivers are always kind of in the 80s. I feel that. I feel that for sure. Him and Boykin can be the big body. 80 and – we'll go with – what do we got on the Ravens roster? I think 89? I think – open? I think – no, that's Andrews, right? Oh, shoot. Yep, I'm done. Is 87 open? Yeah. Is 85 open? 85 is a good big body number. I mean, 15 is good if you're a big body guy. I know our Brandon Marshall we were just talking about there was 15 for a while. That's strong, but I just don't love 12 for him. So maybe. Yeah, me neither. Maybe let's figure something else. Change your number. Yeah, come on. Talk to us. What do we do? Talk with us. We'll we'll help you through. Come on the podcast. We'll give you some suggestions. Come to the Ravens. Come to the podcast. All right. Moving along. But the Ravens only keeping five D linemen could Project Pat Ricard emerge as a defensive player more so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's probably in the plans, too, because they're talking about extending him, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I know that Greg Roman is loving him. Uh, he's been in all sorts of packages offensively, but I love the push that he gets. I love his motor. Um, I, he doesn't give up. And the one thing with Ricard that I haven't seen, he doesn't have a lot of counters. So if he goes with a rip move, he goes balls to the wall on the rip move and crushes through it. And I don't hate that. Uh, but I see him pushing the pocket better than Brandon Williams on third and medium to long. So let me ask uh, you this question. Did he come into the league as a fullback or a D lineman, or was it just a mixture of both? He right was off an all-conference, I believe, two-time all-conference defensive end. Defensive t- I think he was an end in college, I know, but he was a defensive player. Uh, he did not play any offensive football for Maine. Okay. In- yeah, because so yeah, I was going to say, if he's coming in as a fullback, it would definitely make sense he's not going to have that kind of technical side of his game sharpened up. But it sounds like he was a defensive player. But yeah, even at Maine, he's not going to have the technical side sharpened up. But yeah, he has potential. He's good physically, definitely. But uh, yeah, he's a bull in a china shop. So uh-huh. I would, I've said it multiple times. I, I hope that they put him in more defensively. Yeah, that would be cool to see. And it would be cool if he could get some more pub as a two-way player. I feel like uh, people don't talk about him enough. But yeah, yeah, part of my take is to get on him for the low man wins award. Or it's feel, like it feels play. like something that like a couple years ago when they weren't as Hollywood, they would have been all over him and probably yes. had him on and stuff. But now they uh, have like David Spade and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, Sam, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is going to up, up show Pat Ricard. I don't think so. Yeah, but. Well, right, buddy. Uh, who starts at left guard this Sunday, Jake? That's uh, the next one. Makari, I guess. It's going to be James Hurst. James Hurst, okay. 
they're going to start him. I Actually, think. yeah, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking with that. but they're, they, Who should they start is a completely different conversation. We've talked about that a lot, but I'm somewhat surprised if it's not Hurst. Well, it's like people are always like, oh, I don't get it. Like, what do they see in this guy? Well, it's like they're in the building with the guy every single day. They've known him for four or five years now. They know him. They like him. He's a solid player, if not spectacular. So people don't really account for these interpersonal kind of things. And, you know, maybe politics isn't the right word here, but that is kind of a scenario where it's like, this guy is my guy and he's going to start week one for us. I mean, they, they gave him a decent contract. Uh, probably a too big of one. Um, and I think maybe sure. maybe that did play a role in it. But I don't know. He's you know, he's just a guy that's been around. He's a pro and they like him. So, yeah, that, that would make sense. He's a veteran. He knows how to prepare. They know what they're getting. right. And that that's like something the volatility that, of a rookie. That's something that is big for week one. I mean, you're going into what's going to be a weird environment. I don't know if that hurricane is going to be affecting it at all or anything, but it's going to be, you know, humid and muggy and weird. And it's a week one game in, you know, the new era of Ravens football um, under Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense to have the guiding veteran hand out there before people start kind of freaking out all over all over like Twitter and stuff about it. If the, this game goes the way that I think it's going to, I think we'll see at least two different left guards in like someone will come in in the second half. But moving along, who do you expect one player from each side of the ball to have the most ex- impressive performance against the Dolphins in week one. I think they're, they've been kind of keeping Ingram on the shelf in the preseason. Boom. I think, yep. he, I think they're going to lean on him heavy with the, whatever the conditions are and it being week one and them wanting to run the ball. So he would be a guy I would look at for sure. And then just kind of on the defensive side, it's sort of tough to pick these guys out sometimes, but I do want to see Judon have a big game and kind of, cement himself as the alpha dog in the pass rushing group I'm, i have been a little bit critical of that position i think they could tighten it up i know they're not all the way there yet so it makes sense they didn't make a big move but if he could have a big game and kind of get the confidence going for that group i think that would be huge so I, he'd be a guy that i'd be looking at to set the tone for the season hopefully i agree on ingram 100 percent. you said it perfectly i don't even need to add on uh Owasso, i think is going to show out mm-hmm. big time this week he has had this nasty attitude all off season on the field like, I am the baddest mother on this field. Someone stepped to me. I think he's going to rip somebody's head off. I'm excited to see him. Do you think um, he carries a wallet that says bad mother effer? Oh, my gosh. He is is Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Literally. Just had to get that in there. Yes, sir. All right. And that wraps up the mailbag. We had some of the usual suspects. Nico Cantalupo. Oh, we had one last one. I'm sorry. Um, Alex Spinocchio asked, do you think Lamar can run for over 800 yards a season? Yes, I do think he can. Absolutely. What about you? Yeah, I think he probably will. I mean, he had he was on pace to shatter that last season. I think he's not going to be on that pace this year, but I think he's, you know, I think Cam has flirted with a thousand yards easily and maybe even gone over it a few times. So I think Cam is kind of a guy that I'm hoping his career is going to sort of compare with. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Nico Cantalupa, Angela Hester, a bunch of the usual suspects, Fitzroy Lucas, um, that that guy Fitzroy Lucas that just that should be like a side character in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> My name's Fitzroy. Fitzroy Lucas, Lucas Fitzroy. and a Peaky fucking Blinders. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we appreciate Clayton two three zero one one Adam Jones all these old suspects. Appreciate you guys. We'll be doing it again next week. Yeah, thank you guys. Keep them coming. Keep the engagement coming. Everyone on Twitter that's been following the podcast account and stuff and. Uh, roasting Spencer and I, we we really appreciate it. So keep yeah, keep. bring us more roasting. I need we need more trolls. I've I've been getting some. I I love the trolling. Like attack me, make me feel bad about myself. You're nobody without some haters. But uh, yeah, with all that out of the way, we can now jump into some news. 
All right, so jumping into the news, we've got a decent amount, obviously, some of the stuff we already touched on with the roster cut down. There's uh, some other stuff coming out of the castle. John Harbaugh spoke with the media. Uh, the first one we wanted to hit on was Mr. Hollywood Brown at wide receiver is going to be a full go in week one at Miami. Yeah, it's awesome considering that, I mean, DK Metcalf had to have a scope. I'm not saying it's awesome that he had to have that, but as opposed to the situation of Hollywood having the Liz Franck and them rehabbing him slowly, steadily, successfully, getting him a little sprinkle of preseason action in there. Uh, outstanding job by the Ravens in developing a plan from day one and executing it and getting Hollywood out there. And I'm not shocked to see him have a big game. He's been looking like he's getting it together with his routes and his releases lately. So great job by the Ravens all around getting him good to go. I'm excited to see him. Yeah, I think you would maybe be fearful of all the kind of take Smiths that are going to be like out there trying to talk about like the other rookie receivers that they passed on and went with uh, instead of or didn't go with instead of Hollywood. Um, If he was not healthy to start the season, I think it would be a big sticking point. So it is a big deal to have him full go in the game. I thought he did look really good in that preseason game that he did play, not just in the deep passing game which a lot of people thought he was going to be a one hit one or you know kind of a one threat wonder with one trick pony yeah right right just running deep and not really doing anything else he looked good laterally he caught the ball well uh, and he showed some good agility so i'm looking forward to seeing that in week one out of him absolutely and i think his hands are a little better than i even anticipated just kind of watching him in drills and things he's a very natural wide receiver he's not just some track star he's the opposite um he's a, a football player but yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait to see, and hopefully he gets some good action. Is able to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, all word you know out of camp is that his rehab went very smoothly, and uh, he's good to go. So that is good to hear. Something that is not good to hear is our boy Kenny Dixon is going to be mm. cut from the roster after uh, he got designated IR. He picked up another injury. Uh, we did have him on uh, as a guest a couple months ago, so we really like Kenneth. He's a good guy. Rooting for him to pick it up somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, it sucks to lose a guy like that because he did look good in the preseason, but the injuries, he's just had trouble avoiding them. He ran for 117 yards on 12 carries in the Week 17 win over the Browns that clinched. He, like, he was a major, major factor in that division title last year. So I'm appreciative. I know that a lot of Ravens fans are appreciative for that. The best ability is availability. Unfortunately, he has missed 16 of the last 32 games, I think, something like that. Or no, he's missed more than that. He's missed 24 of the last 32 because um, he played eight games last year. So I guess the Ravens' patience ran short in the emergence of Justice Hill and Mark Ingram, or excuse me, and uh, Gus Edwards kind of spelled the outdoor for Mr. Dixon. And if he's able to get it together, I could see him spearheading someone's rushing attack and really helping someone out later in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's not shocking considering the crunch that you had at running back. We've been talking about it all summer. Ingram is the guy, and then Hill is the promising rookie. And it was going to be between Edwards and Dixon as the guys who were impressive last year that were going to be able to make it this year. But they probably do like up uh, Edwards upside a little bit more. And they see him as a guy who can probably, you know, provide equal to whatever, you know, Dixon's production was last year. So, yeah, it sucks right. to see him go. We, we like him a lot, and we're wishing him the best in his travels. Uh, we've already touched on some of these other things we had written down, like the Willie Henry, uh, Makari, and Alaka making the squad. I don't know if he had any more thoughts on that, but we did kind of touch on that a bit. No, I think we, we wrapped that one up for the most part. I mean, like I said, a little bit of a confusing move, but they've got something in mind. They're brewing something up, and I think Pat Ricard is a big reason for that. And Sealer also is on the practice squad, so... 
Yeah, so let's uh, get into that. So practice squad, I know you have some thoughts. Uh, Siler made it. I think Antoine Wesley got there as well. Any any interesting ones stand out to you other than those guys or any thoughts on those I'm guys? I'm really pleased with who they retained. I think they did an outstanding job. I am a little bit surprised, but it also speaks to kind of what they're doing with creating a culture and a movement and quote-unquote a revolutionary offense. Um, only signing their own. They didn't pick up anyone from the waivers. They just kept who did not get claimed. Uh, Gerald Willis was claimed to the Dolphins. Bennett Jackson and a couple other guys ended up heading heading over to the Jets. Uh, Corey Bedvik got <laughs> cut and then is on the Jets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on yep. the Jets. Which is like... <laughs> what a fleecing. Number one, LOL. Number two just why is he on the jets like well they were they were interested they they were going to trade for him and then uh, they got outbid by the vikings so a nice bit of nice bit of business there from eric DaCosta to give up a kicker for a fifth round pick who did not make the squad i mean people talk about i saw a question posed is andrew lux retirement the craziest story in sports ever i think this is pretty big i mean trading a kicker for a fifth round pick and he doesn't make the squad cutting him yeah that's huge Two weeks later, they didn't even give him a shot. I think that Vedvik's a better punter than kicker from what I've seen. He has a huge leg as a punter. Um, but it's wild, man. And the Jets just are a vacuum of the Ravens trash aside from C.J. Mosley, basically. like I'm shocked Kapusi made their roster. I'm not a big Kapusi guy. Even though I was when they drafted him, I was totally wrong. I was like, yeah, Kapusi, steal, third round. Can't bend his knees. Mm, not love what I'm seeing. But, yeah, the Jets, the Jets north – or the, excuse me – the Ravens Northeast is located in uh, old MetLife Stadium wearing green and white on Sundays. Yeah, my buddy is at work is like a Jets fan, and he was all pumped up. I was like, dude, I don't know if you watched any of his uh, preseason with the Vikings, but it was not pretty. But yeah, he was happy that uh, they were able to pick him up. So hopefully he does work out as a punter. We don't really have to get into a punter kicker film room here. But uh, I guess that was all you had on the practice squad then? Um, no, I'm, I'm really happy with Modester and Wesley. I'm really happy with Modester. Uh, yeah, yeah. Modester's a pro. He's a pro receiver. He's a pro slot. Great hands. He's really efficient in his steps. And with him being developmental, and I mean, I would love for the Ravens to retain Willie Sneed, but if he moves on, I wouldn't. I'm not shocked at all if Modester steps into the slot role in year two. Yeah, that um, nice uh, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type that you like. Yeah, that Wes Welker type that I love. We love the Wes Welkers. The yeah, Julian Steve Edelman. Largent, those kind of guys. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess that's all we had on practice squad. Uh, keeping with the Ravens, we do have a couple national stories that we want to hit on here, but Ravens open as six-and-a-half-point favorites at Miami. Hammer that. Hammer that. Uh, we'll get into it more Thursday, but no way this is not a two-score game. There's no way. The Ravens come out. The Ravens are one of the most well-coached teams to start the season. Every year they always start out, like, at the very worst, they're 2-2. Two and two. They always beat who they're supposed to beat in September every single John Harbaugh year. They crushed the Bills last year. They're, I think they've won four straight openers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm I'm putting like a lot of money on that. Okay, fair enough. Um, Big-time gambling man over here. But, yeah, moving on from just the Ravens, uh, we're going to have, like you said, more on the Ravens-Dolphins preview coming to you guys on Thursday, I believe, maybe Friday. But moving on from that, we had a pretty big week in the national uh, NFL landscape. Yeah, we absolutely did. Uh, some heavy, heavy trades going on, man. 
You want to get into it? Yeah. First one, we had Jadavian Clowney, who a lot of people were speculating might be headed up to Owings Mills in some sort of trade deal with the Ravens. He winds up doing so, uh, going to the Pacific Northwest and joining the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, in terms of the deal, the Seahawks agreed they were not going to franchise him. They bring him in and they send back a third round pick and I believe Barkevius Mingo, who I didn't even know was still in the league. And then who was it like Bang Jacobs or something like I don't even who yeah, it was a, I think it was a middle linebacker that I've never heard of seen scouted anything. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't heard of him either. And then, like I said, I forgot. Not Mingo. that he's not okay or decent. I just don't know. Who him. knows? Yeah, I, he might be, you know, some promising young guy. I, I have no idea. But it was him and then it was Barkevius Mingo, who, like I said, I forgot was in the league. They were 100% panned on this deal, the Texans. Uh, oh, my gosh. Part of the Absolutely. problem with that is that they just don't have, like, a front office structure in place. So it's kind of makes it look as though Bill O'Brien is in charge and Bill O'Brien not necessarily looked at as the most savvy guy. And this does yeah, he not. He's like Bill Belichick Jr. Yeah, that coaching tree trying to run the show now. Like that is the least Bill Belichick trade I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, this just does not help that perception at all. They got completely panned for it. And even if this is like a one-year rental for Seattle, they see themselves as Super Bowl contenders. So I 100% see them as the big-time winners. They lost here. nothing. They'll they'll get a, if he leaves, they get a third-round pick back. So they moved down in the third round and gave up a. Back two backups. This is not, yeah, this is not Khalil Mack going to Chicago where you're sending back like multiple first round picks and whatever else the Bears gave up to go and get him. Right. This is very much a one sided thing and uh, it kind of sucks if you're a Texans fan, but they also had another big trade go through that maybe they're going to be happy about. But staying with this one, I mean, what do you see as Clowney's kind of ceiling in Seattle this year? Huge. He's in a really, really friendly system uh, for pass rushers in Seattle with. Ziggy Ansah being kind of a question mark. I believe he's healthy and supposed to play week one, but Ziggy Ansah has some potential. Jaron Reed, I mean, the Seahawks needed to make this move. They can't afford in that division with the 49ers coming up and then the Rams as the uh, NFC NFC champion from last season. They can't afford to start, you know, two and two, two and three, something of that sort. They've got to start at least decent and stay that way while they're trying to struggle through. I mean, they have a really poor secondary, so... No pass rush and no secondary equals hard knocks. No child support, no calves. But I like, yeah, just like my kind of thoughts on it is um, Super Bowl rings are like hard to win no matter who you are. I mean, the Patriots do it every other year. So that's kind of an anomaly, but Excuse perception. It, it's hard. And you like you look back at that 2012 class. Lux retired now. RG threes in Baltimore as a backup. Russell Wilson, you know, you got Nick Foles who got a ring, um, which is a little bit of an outlier. And then Wilson. And it's like you look at those three guys and everyone was talking about them at the time. They're like, oh, they're all going to win three or four Super Bowls each. And it's like people forget that you only get one a year. And Wilson, yeah, Wilson's had two swings. Easy. Wilson's had two swings. He's got one so far. And he's approaching that sort of prime of his career where he's only going to have a few more legitimate swings at it. So why not just go and get him the best shot possible this year with uh, a big time player like this and keep surrounding him and gearing up to do it. Because like, like we were just saying, it's not easy to do. I mean, a lot of people, you know, it sounds simple and obvious, but people just throw that stuff around like, Oh, he's going to win three Super Bowls. It's like, well, it's really not easy to do. I mean, Brady did it. How many quarterbacks have done that? Five Brady, Five. Eli, Roethlisberger, like, yeah, like Eli has two. He doesn't even know who has three Bradshaw, Montana. Bradshaw has four. Montana has four. Brady, Brady, six. And, and so he's the big outlier. Those other two guys won four. 
I think that's the uh, uh, Aikman. Does Aikman have three? Aikman has three, two, right? Two, I think. Two, maybe three. Yeah, so it it doesn't happen often. I mean, Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not easy to do. So if you've got a guy like that, like Wilson, who you think is like an MVP candidate and a Hall of Fame type player, you just gotta you gotta keep swinging. Absolutely, I agree. And it's really weird. The whole landscape of the NFL quarterback right now is so strange because of Tom Brady. I feel like like pl- quarterbacks playing so late in their careers now, and I feel like they decline so much in play, but their name and popularity like prop them up and make franchises stick with them because who put who puts butts and seats quarterbacks like that's you know basically what you go to see is go see quarterbacks play at this point that's how the nfl has set themselves up so with like roethlisberger all these older guys I mean, aaron Rodgers is not young so many older quarterbacks on the other side of 30 and getting closer to 40 and it's just i don't know it's just peculiar it's the first time it's happening like this and i blame you tom brady yeah i mean absolute best case scenario is tom brady and that's never going to happen again probably and then the worst case scenario is you get a guy who's a generational talent that you just can't protect and he retires at age 29 so that's an issue um which led into what we're going to talk about next exactly side of that trade laramie tunsell headed to the texans for somewhat of a pretty penny what do you who did, did the texans was that a good deal for the texans just just the tunzel side so it's weird um i like tunzel as a player i'm not going to pretend that i like watched all of his tape or anything but uh-huh. by all the accounts of people who know what they're talking about which is kind of usually what i go by when i haven't watched a much of a guy he's supposed to be this like guy who's going to be the next great left tackle in the league over the next couple of years so from that standpoint i like it i don't really love giving up the two first round picks but they just haven't been able to figure out this offensive line thing in Houston to the point where your quarterback who, like we were just talking about, is a guy who has all the potential in the world and is probably one of those guys people are talking about as a multiple Super Bowl type player. Last week, he could not fly in a plane. Yeah, last year he couldn't. He, or, yeah, last year he could not fly in a plane. He had to take a bus to play in an NFL game because he was hit so much, so hard. He was sacked, I think, 62 times. And to me... Let's say that they don't do this trade. Number one, what happens this year? The Texans uh, got Max Sharping and Titus Howard, both rookies. Don't know. I mean, you can scout them. You can do all the homework. You don't know what you're going to get on NFL Sundays until it happens. People surprise. Players always surprise. So let's say one of them is stout. Let's say Howard plays well. You've got one tackle down. What are the Texans going to spend one of their next first-round picks on probably? Another tackle. So it, it just makes sense from that standpoint. And everyone wants to act like first-round picks are like sure thing, home run, 100% guaranteed, like all pro, superstar, pro bowl, yada, yada, yada. They're not. There's busts every year. There will be – probably 33% of first-round picks aren't on their t- team, don't get re-signed, don't get the fifth-year extension. I mean look at Josh Doxson and Laquan Treadwell, two guys that are like – can't even get trades. The Redskins c- couldn't find someone to give them a seventh round pick for Josh Doxson, who they took with that, what, the 15th pick or something? Like, if you can get a premier left tackle while you have a young, good quarterback, it's worth the world. It really is worth the world. It's worth so much. And Tunsil is really solid. Not only is a pass protector, he's not, you know, the best in the NFL. He's not David Bakhtiari quite yet, but he's ascending and he's also a really, really strong. Run blocker. The Texans had by Pro Football Focus 
which has been keeping grades, I think, since like 08, the lowest rated run blocking unit in their like 10 years of keeping official grades. That was the worst run blockers in the NFL. And it's only going to help Deshaun Watson. You have J.J. Watt and some of these other guys like prime DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt's on the other side of his, you know, he's on the back nine for sure. He's had so many surgeries and stuff and has somehow managed to get back up to a high level of play. They went to the playoffs last year with Andrew Luck retiring and kind of allowing the Texans to be that top dog in the division. Take advantage of it. Get that left tackle, protect Deshaun Watson, and let him become an MVP type player. A lot of people look at it through the prism of like the Eagles Rams model where if you have a guy on a rookie deal like every big time trade or whatever deal you make is looked at through the prism of oh they're trying to win a Super Bowl before his right. next contract for me this is kind of just like they just want to keep him on his feet uh, to the point where he's going to be okay enough to sign that next contract I mean they want him to be Russell Wilson and not Andrew Luck yeah it was so bad that you know he can't fly in a plane well that's an issue so we have to fix that we we can't even think about a super bowl right now we just have to get a competent line in front of this guy and ensure that he's going to be able to play for the next decade plus so from that standpoint i really do like it obviously it is a big haul to give up but they got kenny stills in the deal too i was right about to say that yeah yeah who i i like at receiver and he's you know going to help them because they were looking for a wide out as well so you know maybe it's a little bit much but from the standpoint of getting your young quarterback who's had some serious issues with his health thanks to your incompetence at finding guys around him I, I do like it a lot from that standpoint so if you look at it this way the Texans over in the first round of the NFL draft since drafting Deshaun Watson it went Deshaun Watson the next year was they didn't have a first round pick so it was essentially Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson again Titus Howard the tackle who has a lot of upside and then Laramie Tunsil Laramie Tunsil so three out of their five years were Deshaun Watson and getting two tackles. So if both of those tackles are good and you got a elite level quarterback, hopefully, that's a good haul over a five-year period in first-round picks. That's not bad. You know, a lot of teams do a lot worse. Look what the Browns did in the Justin Gilbert, Johnny Manziel, those years, you know, like it's not bad. So a lot of people are knocking the Texans, and I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel that they did a good job. The Clowney was an absolute policing, but – if that's all they could get for him, no one else is calling, then what are you going to do? I mean, if Clowney's not going to play in Houston for whatever reason, which still kind of is murky, I don't know. He's not making any more money. I don't get that part of it. You know, Clowney's getting paid the same thing either way. Yeah, I mean, didn't want to be there. Yeah, like picks are kind of like stocks in that it's kind of this idea and this, you know, this hope that something good is going to happen, but it's not necessarily automatically going to. I think once you do have a legit franchise quarterback, which they do, it's less about acquiring the capital and the hope that you could maybe get one. And it's more about getting actual tangible assets, which they did here and they did with the Howard pickup. So, yeah, they're starting to finally slowly surround the guy. Hopefully it works out for them because I do like Deshaun Watson a lot as a player and as a person. Seems like a great guy. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping it does work out for them. And, uh, right. yeah, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But pretty crazy Time move nonetheless. Tell. Time will tell, as it always does. Yep, indeed. Um, that's pretty much all I got for tonight. you have anything else you want to add? No. Uh, yeah, we, we covered a lot of it. I'm excited for this roster. The Ravens, a couple quick notes, are 47 out of 53 players on their active roster were drafted or signed as rookies by the Ravens, which is crazy. I mean, the Bengals have 48. Then the other teams that have 42 or more all are serious playoff contenders and have been over the last couple of years. So kudos to the Ravens scouting department in this transitive 
era between DaCosta and Newsom and losing a lot of scouts and being able to find guys that are NFL quality players. And then also 22 players will be rookies or second year players on this team, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. They like their in-house guys. They like developing talent. Um, that's you know why they hire guys like Wink Martindale on the coaching staff when it's maybe not the sexiest move that might turn out to be the right one. So, yeah, you can see it, uh, you know, in the success of moves like that. And hopefully a lot of these young guys do pan out for them. Uh, but, yeah, that's all you got. That's all I got. Um, I guess it's time to get out of here before our Thursday preview of week one of NFL football. We'll probably do like a full season preview, I think, as well, a little bit. Sure. That won't be the majority of the episode, but we'll, we're also going to try and get somebody from uh, SB Nation, probably Finn Sider or another kind of beat writer from the Dolphins coverage and network to give us a little taste of what to expect with the Dolphins and all the stuff that's been going on with them. So we'll most likely have a guest on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, keep an eye out for us on social. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E is my last name. You can follow Spencer at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. You can follow the podcast at Podcast B-Town where there's great memes and other content. And you can find a lot of our other stuff on our Instagram page. Uh, is that just Be More B-Town? What is it? Baltimore.B-Town? Yeah, it, yep, it's, uh, I think it's BB Beatdown. Let me check. It is Baltimore underscore Beatdown. Baltimore underscore Beatdown on Instagram. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate the listeners. Um, please give us feedback, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, what didn't hit your uh, hit your taste buds the right way. And we're going to keep trying to bring you the most and the best Ravens coverage that we can as we're getting into the thick of things. We're really excited. So hang out with us, talk with us, and uh, maybe come meet up at tailgates and stuff. I'll, I'll be giving some info on where my tailgating spot is at M&T Bank Stadium for the Cardinals game. And come hang out. Come talk Ravens football. Have a beer. We're uh, excited to talk with you guys more and meet you and all that good stuff so good things to come yeah i think we'll both be in attendance there so we'll probably meet up and uh if you guys want to come up and say what's up we're all for that um be sure to if you do like the show uh do us a favor and drop us a five-star review on itunes that really helps with the algorithm and kind of bumping us up a little bit write whatever you want in the review you can roast us uh especially roast spencer um kind of leave me yes, out of please. it I'm, I'm a very sensitive soul uh, yeah jake is a good boy don't don't talk smack to him but I'm yeah not. So be gentle, um, but yeah, go ahead and drop us that five-star review because that's a big help as well. I guess we are done shilling for the night, and uh, we will get out of here with a quick peace out. Yep, peace out, and safety first, then teamwork. Peace. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running both down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, in, I like you that. You in the gun. I like body. that bump you the <laughs> 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 He like the trench work. That boy like to get down. I like down and dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. My, that's my plan. That's a, that's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>